0: Hello and welcome to Sober Town. I am King 13 on the train with you today and we are going to ride into the wonderful world of sobriety. And you know guys I've been sitting here and I've been doing this podcast now for a while and the majority of my guests have been female. And you know I was just thinking today I want to give an equal platform to the guys because you know they're just like us. They deserve it and they are no different in their feelings and they go through similar or maybe different challenges, but we're gonna discuss that today. And I also wanna give out a shout out to Town because here at this website, we have got everything for you. We've spent a lot of time putting everything together with resources and stories. People have been really brave. I think you're gonna connect. Um, please have a look around when we're done because it really will help you. Um, it certainly helped me. And I felt terribly alone when I first started out on this journey. and. That's where I give a shout out to the I Am Sober community because they really helped me. I got connected. I made an account. They count your alcohol-free days. You post, you make friends, and you move on, and your life becomes totally different. You get all the support that you need. And this is where I found these two lovely gentlemen that I'm going to uh, have been kind enough to give me their time today and join me. And I want to say a warm welcome first to Dad Life. How are you? Good morning.
1: Good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: It's my pleasure, and thank you for joining me. If you're out there, folks, don't worry. For us, it's 8 a.m. on a Monday morning. How committed are we, right? <laughs> it's like the old days of my sales <laughs> meeting. there on a Monday morning. It's the first sales meeting to make sure that you got out of bed, right? <laughs> so, And the other one is Arod. Good morning. How are you?
2: Hey, I'm doing all right. Thanks uh, for well, having me. Glad to be I, here. I
0: turned up on time, people. This is fantastic. See? We right. were early. You were early. This is true. We had a little chat beforehand. So, guys, let's kick it off. The challenges with men. Okay, who wants to go first? I'm opening the floor. This is your time. Guys, we're not professionals. We're all unedited. But this is a treat, let me tell you, because these guys are well-respected in the community.
1: You know, I've never really thought of it in terms of men versus women when it comes into uh, getting sober. You know, to me, it it is something thing that doesn't really have a, a gender line um, so specifically. Um, I'm sure that there are some, you know, uh, emotional aspects that some things would speak better to men than to women and vice versa. But for the most part, you know, I, I see uh, alcoholism for me as a, an emotional disease and it is triggered by childhood trauma. It is triggered by other things that have happened and uh, in really a lack of self-love that festers over time and i i think that over the course of time and early sobriety it, it it um we really come to a choice i can stop suppressing all this with alcohol or i can go back to drinking and i can drink probably until i die um so you know I think the 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 choice of recovery as I'll say it, is to decide to not drink and decide to ride that wave and to deal with the storm that comes through dealing with all those things that got suppressed over the course of two decades of drinking,
0: yeah, yeah, look, we've talked about this a lot about trauma being the bottom line in whatever shape way, shape, or form. What do you reckon, Aaron?
2: Well, I think you know I agree with Dan, you know that it's not you know a gender specific thing but. I do think, you know, in in recovery, it can be challenging um, for men to learn how to emotionally connect with other men on a level, especially people that have been raised and had issues with their fathers or their brothers or things like that or friends. And really just learning how to have meaningful discussions with other men, I think, is very beneficial, you know, where you can be vulnerable in that space. And sometimes, you know, it allows you to open up a little bit more because you might feel a little bit more comfortable. There's kind of this stigma about, you know, men appearing weak sometimes that can be a little pervasive. And so, you know, I think there's an opportunity for greater vulnerability in the beginning
0: yeah, that annoys the crap out of me. I agree with you. It's not gender specific. And what's this man thing and man and mate? I've got as much t- testosterone, I reckon, as some bloke. Sometimes I always said I had half testosterone and half woman. So I'm all for equal, you know. Like let's just forget about man, woman. And it's good that you said that, you know, because it is true. Like you're here too. You, you know, like we're all we're all here. And that's what the common denominator is. And that's what the beautiful thing is. And as you know, we had, we started with I Am Sober, the IAS community, done official Zooms, and we did it for women. And now, and that's why I'm glad you came, Dad Life, because you then introduced the men. So let's talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, we, uh, a few months ago, we started meeting Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern time. Um, And recently, Bryant has started a second meeting that meets at 8.30 in the evening on Wednesdays. Yeah. So uh, there's my plug. Come to the meeting, um, but uh, it, it is beneficial. It is, and I think that um, I think A Rod is right. It, it's hard for it's it's easier for men, I think, to be vulnerable emotionally in front of women than it is to be emotionally vulnerable in front of a man. And I, and I when he was talking about that, it was going through my head. of an early meeting that I went to, um, and there were four or five men in the meeting, and um, I broke down and I cried and sobbed and I was out of control somewhat you know and it's really what I needed to do at the time I needed to have that emotional release but you know a few hours later as it went through I was absolutely mortified that I had cried in front of them and you know and I think now how silly that was you know at the, at the end of the day you know we're responding to an emotion in the way that our body is telling us to to try to find healing And if that means to cry, go ahead and cry. Let it out. You know, it it beats letting it fester and then having the next thing build on top of that and the next thing build on top of that until all of a sudden a drink to, to make it just go away for a couple of hours doesn't look so bad.
0: Well, that's right. And it starts with being a child when you're a young boy and the body automatically does what it does and you cry and you're all of a sudden being told, told off not to do that and you're resisting what the body naturally wants to do. So you're in confusion right from the get-go, right? That's right. That's a whole deal. I was a little girl, my mum said. I remember my mum saying to me, crying over, you know, films when I was a little girl, like five, six, she said, what are you crying for? There's cameraman there. I mean, talk about busting a kid's bubble. Thanks, Mum. But, you know, (laughs) I was a sensitive, very sensitive girl. (laughs) Needed a bit of tough, well, I needed tough love. Because someone would pick on me and i just cry and crumble. So, you know, again, that was whatever that response came from, it was there. Whatever your responses were as children were there for whatever your environment. And that's where it does get back to your environment and your childhood and the trauma and everything that encompasses. If you grew up with alcohol around you, which I did, maybe you guys did too, for a part thereof, then didn't. You know, life changes. I mean as you grow up, but it's, yeah, The and I'm glad you are doing the men. I think it's fantastic because I've had some of the men and one's similar age to me, and he said to me, I've had him a couple of times in breakouts, and he goes, I love being in your room with you women because I can just be myself. That's what he said. Isn't that good? And I said, that's bloody fantastic, mate. Go for it. <laughs> the floor is yours. That's what the rooms are for, right? Whoever needs them.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think there's a couple ways you could look at that, but definitely, you know, it's important. I, I do think it is important to have that male to male, uh, discussions, you know, where you're getting deep and significant with things because, you know, that's part of the healing process, especially for people who, like, you know, like I said, had, you know, issues with their father or something like that. You know, I think it's important. And, um, you know, some people do need that tough love, you know, some people do need to be pulled up by their bootstraps. So, you know, yeah, I think so. I, I, I think that, um,
1: there are times as a parent when it's when, when I've found myself now having to go, no, you are emotionally and physically mature enough to do this on your own. You don't need me to do this. And I'm doing you a disservice by going to do this for you. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. Um, you know and there are other times when it's like, okay let's let's have a look at this it's it's a balancing act and and you know as parents you know we have to forgive ourselves a little because I, you know as i sit here in this moment i can tell you i've gotten it wrong before and i'll get it wrong again there are times when i'll overestimate my daughter and there are times when i will underestimate her and i'll feel bad about doing either one but all that i all that I can do is focus on what I'm doing today, and that is something I could never have done without um, without sobriety. And it, and it came in a multitude of forms. That you know, there was a time, and I I was talking to um, uh, Little Ralito about this recently. Even that, you know, that before I even went to see somebody I could have played out that conversation in my mind I would have known what their responses were and what each of my comebacks would have been and I would have walked I would have gone into that meeting with them ready to be pissed off and walk away I would have been all set to have it and it's nice to stay in the moment now because I can come in here and say okay let's have our discussion you know let me hear let me actually listen to what you're saying and I can respond to it in that way. And if I respond to one of you in a way that I think was inappropriate later on, I now have the time and the ability that and to not live in in, in this fight or flight mode, that drinking daily keeps us in. And so that allows for that introspection that we need to come back and say, Hey, I was wrong, I should never have spoken to you that way.
0: Geez, that that photo flight. God, that's bloody haunted me my whole life. I've just been a runner.
1: Meat. Well, I've been a fighter. It still didn't and-
0: work. <laughs> I ended up in Miami and it still didn't work. I ran and I- guys, trust me, you can run around the world, but you can't escape yourself as much as you try. And you're not so bad when you look inside. It's not going to kill you if you just do it gently, right, guys?
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah, that's true. There's someone in the community, like I've seen them around, you know, and they kind of like, trigger certain people with their comments and i've read some of the stuff you know it makes sense you know and it's like i could see why people get upset by it but it's like you know that kind of like you know what the answer is kind of in your face kind of thing you know and i think there's a space for that but you know it just has to be in the right way you know i don't know how to really describe it but you know you have to Choose your battles, you know, who you're going to share things with. So, and think-
0: that's the unfortunate part, right? This is why I hate texting. There's no tonality. Mm-hmm. can't. Things are ambiguous. Everything I say has two meanings. That's what we do in Australia, right? We're sarcastic, is shit, basically. And I can read something one way and I can read it another. And depending on the mood, it's how I take it. So, that's why I, sometimes I prefer just to, this is why I like this. And the Zoom meetings because they're face to face and I can read someone's face or, you know, because they say 70%, right? It's nonverbal of what we actually put out there in our energies and then what we say is just a little bit more. So, yeah, but it's interesting stuff. And even with, and you're the only father here, A or to B, me, I've got a stepdaughter, but no biological. So, as the only parent, too, your relationship with your daughter, and I've watched you develop. I mean, I've seen you physically change incredibly, so congratulations for that. But also you've talked a lot about your family and how that has just made just a huge change. I'm sure it will be inspirational for some dads out there and probably moms too.
1: It, It really did. And, you know, I always felt, even through my drinking days, that my daughter and I were close. And we were. We were. Um, you know, and, and I, I, think I shared on the, the first podcast with Drifter that, you know, we spent years just trying to have a child. We did IVF and we did, you know, all these things, you know, just to get to the point where there was a baby. So, um, so, you know, in, in letting her down in the way, you know, by being an alcoholic, um, and, you know, the ways that I realized eventually I, I hadn't been there is, is really the thing that broke me down. Um, but, you know, now, you know, the the relationship has blossomed into this whole new thing. And um, it, when I was about six months sober, I was she was four when I got sober. Wow. And when I was about six months sober, she said to me, I'm really glad to see that you're so happy now. And I said, didn't I used to be happy? And she thought for a moment, she looked up in the air and she looks back at me and she goes, no you used to smile a lot, but you didn't look happy. And I was like, they see everything.
0: And she was right. I I was miserable
1: on the inside.
0: Mm,
1: I wanted nothing more than to die back then. And it doesn't have to be that way anymore. Not only did I get, you know, a closer bond and a greater, you know, a greater love between father and daughter in this, you know, but you know, I've gotten a, a closer marriage. You know, that my wife and I share emotional conversations now. We actually let each other in. You know, that's something I could never have really done as well before. And, you know, it's taken a lot of time, you know, but that self-loathing that comes with the years and years of drinking that way, you know, that has slowly started to abate, you know. And I can actually think of myself as somebody who's not this giant dirt bag who I sort of hate. So, you know, those are the gifts and and all those things. And, you know, I can say, yes, oh, that self-loathing, that's an internal thing. But I think the story I told shows that it's seen outside of me as well. You know, my daughter sees it. And when she sees that kind of suffering and she knows there's no silly thing she can do, no smile she can bring that's going to abate that, that's a pretty powerless feeling for her. And that is, that is, you know, an unintended emotional trauma that is dealt by me.
0: Mm. but you're going to have a lot of better memory days, so don't worry, you know what I mean? It's fixable. Kids are so resilient. I know I've been there, I've done that, and I look back at separating myself and looking back what I went through and thinking, oh, my God, okay, well, you are really lucky to be here, that's great. <laughs> you know, but you survived it. They're really resilient. I mean, I came out to Australia by ship and spent six weeks on a ship and... That was something in itself, you know, migrating. But, yeah, I mean, and I was only seven when that happened, so that was a weird experience being, leaving a country and going somewhere else. But, I mean, kids are great, aren't they? And you look back now, and especially dads and daughters, like my husband and his ex-wife, they adopted a daughter from China. Um, Twelve couples got on a plane and they went um, to China, and I actually had worked in China but much later years and came back with 12 girls because of the policy, the one... The one girl policy. So or the one whatever is one kid policy. So yeah, um and today she still keeps in touch with some of those kids. But he has such a special relationship with her and I said to him, and it was because of my childhood, this is why I stayed in America. She was only three and a half, four years old when I met her. And I my father sort of abandoned me and whatever, but you know, I said, I'm gonna stay here and the love that they have for each other it's incredible it's just amazing you know and i said to her you know we give her everything that's it we got one go at it and today she's 24 graduated working in a biotech company doing great so i mean it's really special and it's rare it really is rare i hate to say it but a lot of it's rare so i think a lot more dads are working on it now and i think it's fabulous
1: I think there's a lot more acceptance now of a of a father being involved and not being the career man, you know, and and you know where in, in our our role in raising was very peripheral, whereas our role is much more direct these days.
0: Yeah, I don't think COVID. I mean, COVID take the sickness away. Has it been such a bad thing? Maybe not. It's given people more time at home to be with their families and and work. That hey, you know, do I need to get dressed up and go to the office every day and can I function? And yeah, the world worked itself out, but it's been interesting times. A lot of people have said they've really enjoyed being at home. What about you, A Rod? Because you work from home, don't you?
2: No, I don't. I go to the office. We have an office. I can
0: see an office there. I thought it was just maybe your
2: Yeah, this, yeah, no, I've gone to an office. Oh, yeah. Wow. We have an office building. So I like, mm-hmm. I work from home for like a week and didn't like it. So I went to the office I, I mean, and uh, you probably cut this part anyway, but we just closed the doors down for a while, you know, when it was bad in the beginning, like when you're supposed to like distance or whatever, but we still had people banging on the doors, you know, wanting to get in. I'm like, I can't let you in, you know, this is COVID, you know, we're supposed to be, I'm in Ohio, so it's a little bit more lenient here. But um yeah
0: oh i always well, is that interesting because most people you know the majority of us thought like,
2: i work from home
0: yeah well my hubby's just gone back to the office two days a week and that's just well nice.
2: you see me on the wednesday zooms that's me at my office
0: yeah I, really I, a, from here. I, a home office like i've got yeah. like, a couple of my girls have got home offices of books everyone's got books. i
2: mean i could work from home sure. yeah. yeah. yeah but Um,
0: There is something for that, though, because when I was in sales, I'd have to get up and do the whole caboodle look good, you know, to get out and see people. And I found if I was at home, I wasn't as motivated to be on that phone doing things because when I was home, that was my drinking downtime, you know, that was my, my time. And you'd get very selfish with our time, I don't care what anybody says. And a doctor once said to me, he said, I've never met anybody who has an alcohol use disorder that is emotionally available. And ain't that the truth?
1: That is the truth.
0: And I thought, no, that can't be. And I looked back and I looked at every single person. I kept checking people. It's the truth. And that's where the difference is. Like you said, Dad Life, about being present and listening and actually ping-ponging a conversation back and forth, you know, and taking it. And memory. Memory is a good thing. What else? What else have you had challenges with A-Rod? What about you, doll? What else can you say? I'll call you doll, as I do so.
1: <laughs> I'm going to call you that from now on.
0: Oh, I'll or call you on, not doll. Not no, I'll, I'll take, take it at the counterpoint. Don't worry, mate.
2: <laughs> I mean, I don't know. You could talk about, I mean, we could talk about anything, really, any topic you want. I mean, being a single man in sobriety, I mean, I've had experience with that in the past.
0: Um, hey let's go there we've done the dad let's do the single i can talk about being single in sobriety too not sobriety i can talk about being single on before getting married oh, yeah oh. but anyway we don't want to talk about that
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: go on hey rod i
2: don't know um you know what Can we talk about you know like well, no
0: i just did it one just like that a i did it as singles in the sobriety with the girls in my group and they've all said the online thing is, you know, just rubbish. I don't know because I've never been out there. But, I mean, it's one thing too, you know, with, with what do you hear from the other guys in the groups? Do you go to the men's groups because you're always on Zoom?
2: I'm going to be going. I, I'll go to that Wednesday meeting. It's just like every – like that – The 10 a.m. one isn't a good time for me. And now the Wednesday one, I've got a bowling league now, so I can't go to that one. I want to go, like, so bad, but I can't, you know, because just so the timing, but I'll be going to that Wednesday one, so I'll have more. I just think, you know, um, it's really hard for single men. I mean, out there, it just depends on, you know, your situation. But I think, you know, the biggest thing is just, being open minded and and uh being confident in yourself and taking that space that you need to for recovery or discovery of yourself. You know, I feel like there's a pressure like you got to have a partner or you got to get in a relationship or you have to be dating all the time or you have to be, you know, and I think, you know, sometimes you just need to take some space for yourself to figure that out. And, uh, you know, if the people, if the person comes along, and be ready for that opportunity, so.
0: Yeah, and one of the bits of advice we've been given is to not make any major decisions for a year, right? Um, and I thought that came from the big book, but apparently it didn't. I don't know where it came from, by the way. Um, I don't know if that's necessarily true because life goes on and you never know who you'll meet. And I know people in sobriety who have got on with their lives, like, you know, I've broken up with people and got on with people fairly quickly. And I've got other people who are very, very single. I mean, I was on my own for 20 years. I didn't get married till I was 40. So I've been on both sides of the fence. But what do you hear from? I'm more interested in what are the other men sort of, do you find that the, the challenges in the men's group are all the same? Are guys saying, oh, this? Has anyone come up with anything that we maybe haven't heard of before? Or are they sort of common things?
1: No, I feel like it's, it's rather, it's, it's mostly common things. Uh, it is, it is something that, uh, we, we do hash out, um, you know, topics, you know, just along the lines of how do you, like yesterday we talked about how do you you know reach out to new people in sobriety and what was the, what was the reach, what was the outreach that you received that really showed you that there was hope moving forward? Wow. Um, and so, it, you know, it is an interesting thing to hear. You know, each how each person uh, sees that and feels that, um, and to see exactly how they articulate it. But um, you know, o- over the course of time, and it's that—that that is one of the more interesting things in sobriety. Is that whether it's a uh, men or women, everyone has something similar. Whereas somebody said something to them that really seems rather unremarkable and yet that's the thing that two years later those words still sit there in my head every morning and I and I think of them well that person's probably long since forgotten that conversation
0: hmm yeah 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 look and I was when I was looking and researching with the men, you know too as I said I think we all we all go through the same sort of things they did write seven challenges down here and I'm just gonna go through them and you can say yay or nay but what um, what I came up with was they said, number one, that men are more likely to use. The reason for that, they're more reluctant to get help. Um, they're reluctant to share and they tend to be less social. The greater risk of relapse and they are more prone to certain co-occurring mental health issues. That was interesting. I think more so, I think the mental health issues relates back to not sharing like the, you know what I mean?
2: Fear of vulnerability. Yeah. You don't want to feel damaged. Uh, You don't want to admit. I spent a lot of time isolating um, when I got sober before, you know, like I was going to do it on my own. I didn't need a program. I didn't need people, you know, like it was just something I could fix for myself, you know, the whole self-reliance piece. And, you know, that just led me to failure every time. So, you know, finally realized that I needed other people and that that was okay and that wasn't a weakness, you know.
0: Yeah, and they say a lot of people too, a lot of me, particularly I read, like AA because of the structure. Now, I like structure because I've had structure all my life, whether I was, I'm very good at time management, I'm very organized, gets back to the career thing, having to do appointments every day and, you know, be very, very by the by the clock. So, yeah, I like I like structure. I think it's important and it keeps you busy and it blocks those time frames of maybe, you know, getting – I don't know, just a bit edgy or whatever. Um, I don't know, do you have anything to say about that dad life before I move on?
1: I do. I I, I think that, yes, um, that men are are less likely to admit that we are having an emotionally hard time, that we are sad, that we are scared, that we are frightened. And, you know, and there is a stigma to men admitting to these things. Um, And, 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 you know, and, and I'm not someone who's avoided that. You know, that is something that, you know, had brought me a lot of shame along the way. And, um, and so that, that, that has become a thing that now, uh, particularly when it, as it comes to my wife, when I when I feel something, whether it is positive or negative, I go and tell her about it. You know, hey, I really don't appreciate the way you spoke to me earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, because while that conversation might seem uncomfortable. You know, I can explain why I feel that way. That hurt my feelings. That made me feel unimportant to you. That made me X, whatever that thing is. And in saying that, now there's no tension or animosity built up. You know, even if we have no resolution walking away from that conversation, I still said everything I had to say. She said everything she had to say about it. And we, you know, either we came to an understanding and we made up, or we walked away mad, but at the same time, there is no festering uh, emotional issue there. It is out there. It is said. I all I can do is express how I feel. Um, you know, Will uh, Ralito loves to say this too. It's none of my business what somebody else thinks of me, mm. and so I can't control if she doesn't like. You know how my you know how I feel right now. I can't control that. All I can do is express that to her. So that, that is, that is where I would go moving forward is that it is okay to, to feel these things. It is okay to express these things. And if someone tells you in life that they don't think that you as a man should be acting this way or should be thinking, expressing these feelings, then you might need to reconsider the value of that person in your life.
0: That was beautifully and emotionally mature, because I think you should be a counsellor. And next time I have got bad tone inflection with my voice, I should come to you to, Dan, how do I present it again? That was ridiculous. beautiful, <laughs> and it, That's it's lovely. That's a great way to get things either open or at least thought about, or, you know, that's very really beautiful, very nice. What do you reckon, eh, Rod? you have done with that one? We can move on, boys, to number number two. Um, oh, it said here too, men are two to three times more likely than women to develop an alcohol use disorder or any sort of stimulant use. Sixty percent of cocaine users are men. Why? Because men are less likely to see substance use as dangerous. I thought that was really interesting. And I thought, yeah, I was a scaredy cat. But I saw Pat, I was like, uh, what's that? Uh, I don't know what's that. they will probably Drano oh and kill me. Like, <laughs> it's true. I was like that at school. I was a scaredy cat. Is, what do you reckon, guys?
1: I don't actually know about the statistics on that. Um, I, I can't speak to that. I, I think, never did cocaine or anything like that myself.
0: No, but even getting back to the even the alcohol, right? You look at the women that come to these Zooms these days. Now, women are usually less likely to, to come forward in a lot of things. It takes a lot of courage as well. So again, men and women feel in the same thoughts, feeling the same ways, right? We used to get a lot more women at these zooms, and men are now starting to come to the unofficial, you right? Know, I, I assumes. and it's really, really good. So I'm wondering. I think that women are actually right up there, equal with men now. I'm sorry, I do. After COVID and everything else, we're getting more and more new women coming in to the women's zooms, particularly this year. It's really changed again. Um, so I don't know about that one. Anyway, let's move on. I
2: think uh, it could be. It could. I mean, it's a byproduct of you know, yeah. like. You see men in a lot more like physically demanding jobs in a lot of situations like construction, you know, things like that. So, you know, that could be a byproduct of that. But, you know, we're more prone to taking risks, you know, especially single men. You know, we're out there, you know, we're not, you know, afraid, you know, to do some really stupid stuff, like really stupid stuff. And, you know.
0: I can say the same thing about You know, Mm, just like
2: male suicide statistic is a lot higher because we're just more violent, more prone to violent outbursts, you know.
0: And that was one of the reasons. Thank you for bringing that up. That was one of the reasons that I was interested to do this because um, my sister lives in a country town in Victoria. It's got a humongous alcohol and drug problem. Um, it's quite wide, without skirts, but the, man, the men that you hear, and yes, it's a, you hear it because it's a country town, but there's still 120,000, 130,000 people in it. The male suicides in that town is absolutely horrendous. And why? Because of everything that we are thankfully talking about today to let guys out there know you're not alone. Women either, you're not alone. We're here, we've got your back, and you don't have to re- retreat to anything like that. Just go to your PCP and maybe just talk to them first if you're feeling crap and see what they can do. And do something about it, get some therapy or whatever until you can get yourself back on track and, you know, I, I, with medication and stuff, I've learned, I've battled medication for years, said, no, 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 I'm strong, strong, strong. Look at the genes, my mother was high, you know, like really had bang, bad anxiety. My grandmother, shock treatment, anxiety, manic depression, sisters got high. Well, if, you, if you're wired that way and it's not working for you, it's okay you know, come back to normal. It's okay, guys. I do. And it makes me normal. And it, it, thank the Lord for that, that, that lot of, you know, technology or pills or whatever. Three, men are more likely to self-medicate mental health issues with drugs and alcohol. Men are less likely to recognize having a mental health issue and rely on substance to cope. Well, that's true. But I, I mean, I knew it was there, but I didn't take any notice either when I had an AUD problem, you know, with my alcohol. I, I knew it. Bad luck. Have another one.
1: Yeah, i um, I think, or, or I think in, in, I think there was a, a period of time when I would tell myself, this is stress. I, I'm just drinking this much because I'm stressed because of work, because of the nature of my work, because of what I'm doing. And then I was stressed because of this. And wh- when I get to this benchmark, I won't need to drink like this anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, the, the problem is, is that that benchmark gets further and further away every time. And so uh, the, the, the problem wasn't alcohol. The problem was me. And, you know, I can say, look, I'll have a chance to take a deep breath and do and be self-reflective and be happy and all these when I get to here. But if I'm not happy on my way there, I'm not going to be happy when I get there either. And therefore, I'm not going to drink less when I get to that benchmark either. Whatever that might be. So I, I think that, yes, I, I think that men do tend to uh, mask mental illness as stress, as workplace stress, as home stress, as, you know, people are on my back about this stuff. And, you know, that's why all this is going on. But at the end of the day, if you're, if you're a person and you're happy and you have that self love, you know, you can have these rotten days at work and a big fight with your wife right after work, and still not want to drink yourself into oblivion or hate your life for it.
0: Mm. What do you reckon I run?
2: I mean, I think there's a lot of things that we avoided working on in ourselves and escape through substance abuse, like changes we wanted to make in our life and dealing with difficult situations. So, um, you know, I, I, I've never been to therapy. And I've never been to anything and I probably should have, you know, it probably would have helped me a long time ago to get to the bottom of certain things. And I've had to go the long and hard way around it, you know, like the school of hard knock, whatever you talking about it, you know, I had to figure it out on my own. And that takes a lot longer and a lot of mistakes that you have to make along the way, you know, you can't act you know like you don't need to act as your own therapist you know like it's it's okay you know and that was you know something i probably needed to hear a long time ago you know
0: right.
2: well it, it's
1: it, it's also you know an issue of getting there when when you're ready to for right. it um
0: right. you know
1: i i, I went to, I, I i went to uh therapy my wife and i went through marriage counseling um a, a, a number of years ago and it was recommended to me to see a therapist individually afterwards you know as that was wrapping up and um and so i, I begrudgingly went and of course you know I mean, he asked the basic questions about how much i drink i lied i lied all the way through you know i i never actually let i didn't let him see the big picture any more than i let anyone else see the big picture uh, i just wasn't going to let it out you know i had to hit rock bottom And start getting, and then I started the meetings and then I had a session with him and I told him the whole truth. I told him about every lie that I could remember ever telling him and everything else. And I was like, okay, you know, and, and now I've actually seen, you know, it's amazing how well therapy works when you actually, you know, try to, you know, be honest with your therapist.
2: (laughs) So. (laughs) I'm thinking that honesty is the most one of the most important things, just letting stuff out, learning how to express and get things off your chest, you know, in sobriety, you know, like, like I can recall so many times, like, you know, with male friends, I mean, we'd have to be wasted to have a meaningful like conversation, you know, about something. You know and then you just wouldn't remember it or it wouldn't be like it didn't count you know and it's like you need to learn how to talk like that when you're when you're sober you know i think that's the biggest thing is getting it out and
0: yeah and once yeah. those plug gates are open
2: you said it's out. okay you know it's okay everyone struggles with things everyone has issues everyone has fears everyone has anxieties you know and it, it's okay you know yeah
0: so I said, once you start talking about it, it gets easier to the point where you forget about those floodgates opening, you know, in that moment where you are terrified to let it out. then it just becomes a normal conversation that you want to do better and learn and share and, you know, anyway. Oh. And that gets back to number three. It says you're feeling vulnerable again and it makes you uncomfortable, which is very true. We have to get uncomfortable sometimes to make it right. I didn't want to tell anyone anything, but I, my husband knew everything, but... I didn't really, uh, yeah, that's a whole other story, hiding your drinking. Number four, you need a strong sober network and, you know, most important to recovery. And it's true. Things like Sobertown, IAS, the connections, the Zooms, it just lowers the risk of relapse. We've all said it over and over, connection and opposite of addiction. I think we all agree on that one, right?
1: Uh, No doubt about it. You know, that was something that my therapist said to me early on. You know, he said what's the opposite of addiction and i stared back at him and he said connection and all of a sudden you know this thing that you know just it just washed right over my mind of course it is i mean that just makes sense and you know and then when i started to, a, a few months later as when i found um, uh, the ias meetings uh to supplement aa and uh, back then they only met saturdays at five o'clock but um that seemed to be the motto of that group you know connection beats addiction you know come to the meeting make connections you know and, yep. and, and a- absolutely is and you know i had never really had a friend particularly before sobriety um and and i really never understood why people would have friends or or want to actually be close with more than a couple of people in the inner circle you know um but you know the, the 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 friendships I've made, the connections I've built. You know uh, through AA, through IAS. There, there's a lot of people in those groups now that I, I just, you know, even some of them I've never seen in person. Mm. I can't imagine living without them. I know, right? You know, wouldn't
0: be the same. And it moves on to the next point because it says here that with making new friends, men can be more reluctant than women. And again, we've got to look at age groups here too. I don't. Well, maybe it's not ever easy. But it says that um, it leads to again what a Rob was saying. It can lead to the say that again alienation, the loneliness. So you resort to spend time with your old friends who undermine your their recovery and your recovery, and then you can get back to your old ways. You've not made, but see that's where you just came along, Dad, life, and said, "Ha ha!" But now I've made friends, and this is what the beauty is that you can't live without, and I agree with you there. Um, they say that number five of men are at a higher risk of relapse. You know, I don't know about that one. I'm not sure that I agree with that because how do you know? They did UCLA took 300 people from 26 programs and only 22% had relapsed after six months compared to 32% of men. Why? Depending on how the, how engaged the patients are in treatment. Well, that of course it does. If you're going to be more engaged in the treatment, you're probably going to be more successful. Anyway, Um, also positive emotions are challenging. Are they for men? Positive emotions challenging for men?
1: Absolutely.
0: Oh, let's talk. Absolutely. Okay, all right. Because men always got a pretty easy going. Yeah, you know. But maybe that's it. Maybe they're too not telling uh, you.
1: It's a facade, I think. Um, You know. But, you know, whatever it is, it's not enough, you know, it, you know, and and that's that's a thing to remind myself. And, you know, when 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 I get my work done, I look it over and I'll think, well, this is garbage. But if I actually am being honest with it, it's really pretty good. You know, maybe there's some polishing to be done to it, uh, but it's all right. Um, you know, when I think, you know, when I think about, you know, uh, an interaction with my wife or daughter, I only think about the negative ones. I only think about the times when I have something to feel sorry for. And it's like, why, why are you still thinking about this? You've addressed this. You've spoken about this. You've done your best to make an amends for this. You know, why, why is this still the thing that I hold over my head? You know? So yeah, I I think that it is difficult. Um, to 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 measure up because we, you know we have to measure to our own standards and uh you know I think that at least for me my standards sit at a level that I could never meet and that is something that I when I journal now I try to uh to think about these things and write down is this a realistic expectation of myself because you know one thing that I you know I, I love in AA is we say you know we we seek spiritual progress and not spiritual perfection Um, and when you, if you just take out spiritual, if that's the problem you have with AA, take out the spiritual side, we seek progress and not perfection. So if I'm going to say this, I look, where was I 24 months ago? Am I in a better place now than I was 24 months ago when I started this? If I am in a better place then I have made progress and I have something to celebrate. But if I am if I'm upset that I'm still working on this, then I am fighting a war with myself over not being perfect. And I can fight that war till I take my last breath, but I'll never win it because perfection is impossible.
0: Yeah. Right. And that's where you've got to stop comparing yourself to everybody else. People, period. Yeah. All you can do is a little bit better each day than you did the day before for yourself. Because you know that was one of the the other points here, just to to finish off the challenges for men. It says men, they're strong, they're stoic, they're self reliant. They have a reputation to uphold, and they're extremely competitive.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, uh, women are too. Let me tell you, and don't forget, we've all got egos too. You know what I mean. And the thing is, you said it before. The thing, and I've always said this in sales. We've learned there's three ways that you are seen. The way that you see yourself the way that others perceive you and the way you really are. And it's like picking up that phone for the first time on a recording and you hear your voice and you go, that's not me. And that's not my voice. Yeah, I'm sorry, but it is. But again, your perception was totally different of what you thought your voice sounded like, right? So, I mean, it's really funny. And then when you see photos sometimes, and you go, oh, wow, oh, okay, a little bit, I don't think I really look like that. But you become familiar with yourself, and I think that's important. You need to. You need to become not to the selfie stage that I see down here or out on the river every day, but you know, you need to know yourself, and it is about getting to know yourself. And Dan, how many days are you now, if I can ask?
1: 709.
0: Yeah, congratulations. See your people's 709. Thanks. And I'm at 415. And what about you, A Rod?
2: I'm like 220 or something like that now. Yeah,
0: brilliant. Look at that, people, see? And we all say connections the opposite of addiction. Um. Okay, what else? Just before, I don't want to take up too much more of you guys' time because I know you're working, but what more, any more tips or anything else do you want to bring up? Because, I mean, we can do this on and on, and I hope that we can do more. This was just to get the conversation open, get it flowing, and to let, you know, you guys know. Right.
2: I think the biggest thing is just like right now, immediate, like. Letting yourself fail, like allowing yourself to be a failure. Sometimes I think, you know, like we tend to hold up these, especially as men, like you talk about like stoicism or feeling like they need to be, you know, lead, you know, like you're going to hold up a lot of things that aren't serving you anymore, you know, just because you feel like you have to do that. And, and sometimes you just have to let go of things and let people down and make mistakes and, and that, that that's going to be okay. You know, that's part of the learning process. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, people stick around in your life, then they're meant to stick around. If not, then they're not, you know, and getting things out, you know, getting things out, learning how to to speak what's on your mind instead of holding it in is very important, too. So it's about
1: knowing what you can control and what you cannot. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Right. And I, um, Dad, I want to know if you want to talk about this a little bit too, but it's, I agree with you. I love the Serenity of Prayer. I've made no bones about it. I live by it. It's still on my mirror. It'll stay there. Um, and, and getting back to, you know, I, I say I have done AA in the past, forcefully, but I have done it. And I've been through, organically, I find that like I work the steps. You know what I mean? Like they're important to me. I've written, I've read the, um, the women's version of the twelve steps, and I really liked it. And, and and Polly and I, another lady here, did it. And I mean, we take we take a bit from everything, right? Have you found that other things have worked for you too? What do you like most about AA? Is it the structure? Because I like the structure part, and I like the serenity prayer. But it is very. I found it very very male dominated, and a lot of the women that I've spoken to too agree that that's the way it's. I don't know if it's changed because I haven't been for a long time, but
1: yeah. I agree. You know, I I think that even in AA literature, they say that they were surprised in the 1950s when so many women started coming to AA meetings that they really didn't anticipate that. Um, Because AA was really designed for, you know, um, upper middle class white men. That's, you know, that's really who, who, who built it and that's who designed it and that's who it was built in mind with. Mm. Um, you know, and, and not to say that it doesn't serve other groups, of course it does.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, AA is a great program, and yes, for me in the early days especially, the structure of it meant a lot. There was there was this big book, there were these 12 steps, and you know, I, I, I did these 12 steps, and over the course of uh, a little over a year, I did them with a sponsor so that I could, uh, you know, continue to make progress. And those things, well, they were, they were painful to do. Mm -hmm. It's very hard to look inward and see the thing and see all the things that you like about yourself, all the things that you don't like about yourself and accept them. And then to take those things and look around and see, start, you know, kind of making a list about people you haven't treated well and think about all these things and, you know, the the, the the trick of it is to, to the newcomer now coming in. I'll tell you that the 12 steps are never done. There's there's never a finish to this. Mm-hmm. I, I constantly find something new about myself that I I know I need to work on. And, and I constantly find, you know, somebody else that I need to talk to and say, hey, look, I, I, I know how I treated you and this wasn't OK. And I understand that now. Um, that you know, it, it's a it's a lifelong process. This is something that uh, will continue, and I don't know what it will look like down the road. But I, you know, if whenever I feel that inadequacy, I try to remind myself, my sobriety is not even two years old yet. You know, it is just a small child. Right. There so- is lots of growing and developing to happen.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm the same. First year was all about not drinking. So again, that structure was because. I was the same i did all quit lit all self-help all that sort of stuff second year more emotional working yourself out i mean i've done a lot of that but just just and making it that even keel and you're not your norm this is my normal life now i don't stress that much about alcohol um what about you what have you did you ever do aa
2: i did na for nine months um and and some aa in 2017 and like when i I took so much from it, you know, like, and I feel in a lot of ways, I've done some of the steps, but it's something, you know, I, I plan to go back through it and do it again. Yeah. It just like, when I think about it, I'm like, why wouldn't I want to do it? Well, you know, that's any resistance to that is coming from the ego. It's an egoic thing. And I think, you know, people just have to kind of come to that themselves, but, uh a lot of the things that I've learned when I sit back and think, Where did I get that from? It was from NA or AA. You know, the whole expectation management is, is such a huge tool. You know, managing your expectations and acceptance of yourself where you're at yeah. like the two big things, you know, in the beginning and even now, you know. So,
0: yeah, no, know, I think can- that
2: it's that really what it is it's like putting that. You know, because we have this ego and we don't want to like admit we're wrong, you know, like it doesn't want to admit fault. So if you could just set it aside just long enough to allow some healing to come in, you can level up. You know what I mean? But we don't want to do that. We don't want to like rest in a higher power. We don't want to rest in the community. You know, we don't want to believe that we're going to get better. You know, we just want to hold on to our stuff. You know, we can let that down for a little while. And, and be vulnerable, then we can make a lot of progress. And then, and then you know, it's going to want to come back up. You know, for me, it's like, you know, well, you shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be in this situation. You know, you can go back to doing it on your own. You know, that comes up and it's just not the truth. You have to remind yourself of that. You know, that you have to be patient. This is a process. So.
0: Yeah, well, I recently did a little a little test, a little experiment, and I didn't do Zooms for a week, and I tell you what, by Saturday I was ready to get back on. I really missed it because that's my main, you know, besides I, I check in, I don't know about you guys, I have one person I check in with every day, and it doesn't matter any time of the day. We text each other 4 o'clock in the morning, 10 o'clock at night, you know what I mean, any time of the day, just chatting. And um, it's a really good thing. So that's my sort of unofficial sponsor, I suppose you could call it, I've done all the steps, and I'm reading another book at the moment um, that this person gave me, and it's twelve. It's after the twelve steps by a lady called Charlotte Castle, and she actually passed away, and it's terrific. And look, if you can just stay in your lane, like I like to say, I'm a sober thief. I take a bit of everything you guys probably do too. Now that's the beauty. It's available to us now. People are available to us. A global. We've got a global network of brilliance. So. You know, if you want it, it's there. You've got to want it, though, guys. That's what I, I keep saying. You know, you can't do it for anybody else. You've got to so so want it, man, woman, or anybody else.
2: Yeah, I think having people to check in with is big. You know, if you if you don't do the steps or don't work the program, just you know, so just that is big. You know, just you know, checking in with people every day. How are you doing? And being honest about it. You know, yeah, I'm having a terrible day. Mm. You know, and just venting and being okay with that, you know, like just allowing yourself that space, you know, to be honest. To
0: and you know what? We've got some time under our belt, and this is a bit, this is di- digressing a bit, but it's important. I've had, you know, I would say on the runs of runs, a pretty thankful rerun run, but I've been working hard at it and it's been 24 7 with me. Last Monday, I had this out of nowhere, that close to just, Hitting it, getting out of here and going to a long, long lunch on my own to just have some fun, right? So what I'm saying is beware, people, beware. And I, and it was when I didn't actually go to Zooms for a week. It all sort of happened after and I thought, wow, this is just so telling. So that was my experiment, my experiment. And even to the point where my husband said, how close were you to going? And he said, I really thought you were going to go. And he said, you've been so darn strong. So just stay vigilant because, and it's yeah. sort of circumstantial, that's all I'm going to say. All right, guys, any more tips before we say goodbye and get on with our days? I know you guys have got to work, and I really appreciate you just spending your time. I think it's terrific that this gets out there. People are not alone. Women, man, you are not alone. We're here to help you. Is there anything else you'd like to add or say goodbye?
1: Just to... To all those who are who are looking to get sober, those who are struggling to get past that day zero mark on the app, don't lose hope. I never believed that I would get past day four, and you—I did it. You can do it too. If you need support, I'm Dad Life. Find me at the twenty-three month milestone. I'm here for you.
2: You're not alone.
0: Yeah, I agree
2: with what he said. Yeah, and I'm a rod on the seventh month milestone, and just you know, just keep coming back. You know.
0: Just keep coming back. All right, back. Well, I just I just can't thank you enough. I'm so happy that we got this out there, or we will get this out there in time to a lot more people. We'll do some more. Thank you, A-Rod. Thank you, Dad Life, People, please go and check Sobertownpodcast.com out. Um, as I said, it's going to help you. It's helped me. I still to this day read podcasts or listen to podcasts, read people's stories, listen to people's stories. And I just want to say thank you. Have a great day and I will see you again on Sobertown.